Father, we stand before you, the great I am, the Holy One. Lord, let us see a greater picture of who you are today. Strengthen us through your word, challenge us and guide us through your Holy Spirit to be encouraged, to be challenged, to be holy as you are holy. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Man, I'm so thankful that you're here today. Uh, today we wrap up this first sermon series of 21, and it has been entitled, uh, the, uh, Let the Word Win. And um, it has been an encouragement to me. Any time that the Word comes into conflict with our feelings, we've got to let the Word win. Anytime our viewpoints or uh, our thoughts uh, contradict what God's word says, we've got to submit to the word. And we have been wrestling with that this, this month so far, and it's been encouraging. Uh, the Core 52 has, has been a blessing, I, I pray, to many of you as we uh, are guided by that so far this year. Next week, we begin a new series, and it's called Tough Love. It's going to go um, outside of the Core 52 material, but, but uh, if you're falling in love with that and you want to continue to study that in the month of February, D Arms is going to have a special class at 9.30 each week in the gym during February. And then we're going to jump back into it here in March, right here in the sanctuary through all of our teaching. But um, if you need a book, uh, pick one up. If you're online or on the radio and you'd like to get a book, we have some more in stock. Uh, they were sold out for a while. There are roughly 550 already in the hands of people. And I want to praise God for that. I'm encouraged by that. So if you want to jump into that, do that. Hopefully it creates conversation. Hopefully it creates questions between uh, you and God and maybe some other uh, person that you trust, somebody you're trying to uh, help grow and they're helping you to grow. And hopefully it gives us confidence about what God's word says, the core issues in God's word. There's things that have already strengthened me through this uh, study. It's also been humbling. That was the thing that we were talking about on week three. Our routine so far in the Graber house has been to uh, put daily to bed on Tuesday night, and then we discuss the essay among uh, the rest of us in the family on Tuesday night for maybe 20, 30 minutes. And on uh, the third week, we put, had put daily to bed, and to our surprise, she's listening in a room. And we didn't know that at the time, but we start talking about things like what causes us to sin. Remember, we talked about, hey, what's our problem? And our problem is sin. And pride is often a thing that leads us to sin. So the boys and I start discussing things that God likes to humble us. He, we live best when we live in humility and respect to God. And, and God sometimes will do things to humble us, even when it hurts. And, and that's a tough concept. And, and little did we know, daily is listened to all this uh, humility talk, this discussion of being humble. So the next morning, she wakes up and she sees Core 52 sitting on the dining room table. And she says, Dad... Why does God want you guys to be so, um, um, I can't even think of the word now. Sorry, God, why does God want you guys to, to be so homely? A variant of, of humility. And, and I, I just, uh, I, I was beginning to think, okay, daily, uh, it is so interesting that you're picking up on that. She desires to grow in that. But being homely sure makes us humble at times, doesn't it? I hope you're strengthened in these words that, that we're studying. Today we start a new word and it's called holiness. The first week we studied this idea that God created us uh, and he created everything out of nothing and it was good. The second week he created us in his image and it was very good. The third week is that week we talked about pride and how pride leads to sin and it destroys our relationship with God if we're not careful. Last week, we were reminded that all things are possible with God, and through Christ's shedding of his blood, that brings forgiveness. 
Remember last week we were talking about Abram and he had made a covenant with God. He was making it and he passed out. He was overwhelmed by it. And God says, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and fulfill the covenant with, with, uh, without you even being present. And that's what God has done for us in Christ. When we could fulfill our own part, he says, I'm gonna send Jesus to give you forgiveness of your sins. When you could not fulfill your end of the bargain, I'm gonna step up. And that gives us hope and that hope is for everyone. Romans 3 tells us about this. It says this, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That while we were still sinners, Christ sent his son to be our sacrifice. And when we believe that, he says, that makes us right. That's the good, that's the good news. It's the gospel. Today, we're jumping into this idea of holiness. When we are right with God, God imputes holiness in us. It's not something we achieve, but he, we receive it from him. And in Leviticus chapter 11, God says this, be holy for I'm holy. But what does that even mean to be holy? It seems intimidating. I grew up often thinking holiness uh, meant we were perfect on our own efforts, but, but that is far from the truth. In fact, uh, being holy has everything to do with being like God, but it is because of what God has done, not necessarily what we're able to live up to. But how do we live up to God's standards? How can we live up to the standard of holiness that God has set before us? I believe we first need to slow down and get a greater insight and respect for who God is and his holiness. Because the reality is, we don't often get God. We don't understand him. We don't understand the heights of his holiness. We know he's greater than us, but how much greater? In general, the world has lost connection, has lost respect and a proper fear even for God in today's world. Just listen, pay attention to how people talk. It's really kind of scary. In light of how God is holy, we dismiss his voice almost altogether. People say things like, does, does God really want us to believe what is said in his word? It just doesn't make sense to me. Would God really expect me to do all the things that he asked of us? It doesn't seem practical. Or people say, does God really think I'm gonna listen to what he says? Yes, he does and he can because he is God. He can do whatever he wants. But we oftentimes will limit his greatness and his holiness because we want to have it played out in our minds like we think it should. And God calls us so to proclaim the truth and let the word win. Guys, one of the things that's gonna feel strange about this sermon it did at the eight o'clock hour, um, it's not easy to listen to always. Holiness is kind of heavy. Uh, holiness is, is something that's hard to obtain. But one thing that I've committed to, one thing that we're living out in this, uh, the Word Wind series and what I've desired to live out in my own ministry, especially as your preacher, is to not shy away from the truth. And the truth is, God says, be holy as I am holy. And while that's not popular, we need to understand that Jesus himself says he's the way, the truth, and life. He also says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And while that is not popular, while people want to look away from that, here's the good news. It's not something that is aggressive against the world. It actually is giving the world an opportunity. It's the good news that we can be holy and have relationship through Jesus. It's what we're to be about. Not us being perfect, but us finding hope in Jesus. Paul warns that this is not going to be easy to listen to. He tells Timothy, hey, there's going to be a time when you're uh, speaking the truth about Jesus and about being holy, and the world is not going to want to listen. Here's what he says in 2 Timothy 2. 
I want to prepare you for how this feels a little bit. Paul tells us as Christians, he says, preach the word of God. He says, uh, teach the truth. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Guys, we're living in a time where people are chasing after whatever they want to hear. That's why there's about 200 news media outlets. Because if you don't want to hear from his, this place you can hear somewhere else. Guys, truth is truth. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But when we come to him, he makes us holy. Take a little deep breath. It is not up to you to be holy. Jesus makes you holy. That should be a release point in the midst of the heaviness of this message. But the truth is, God does say, be holy as I'm holy. That's the truth. You know, the myth of today that the world wants us to understand is that God really would rather us be happy. Our purpose in life, uh, the true American dream is all about the pursuit of happiness. While I value happiness, God would rather you be holy than happy. Here's the cool part. When we're holy, I believe that's when true happiness it comes. God is calling you. He's calling your family to be holy. And it has little to do with you trying to be perfect because we can't be perfect. While God sees us as perfect through Christ, we will continue to fail. But what God is saying, realize that you're set apart for my purpose. That's what holiness is. You guys all have a purpose to shine and give God glory. If you have been bought by the blood of Jesus, God is calling you to be holy. If your sins have been forgiven, you have been set apart to shine for him. God is the one who makes us holy. He proclaims it. He declares it. Now we need to live it. But so much of the world has no comprehension of how amazing God is. So much of the world doesn't know that we really have a purpose beyond happy. So here's the deal. The reason I want to slow down and wrestle with this today is when you meet your maker... When, when you're called from this earth and you have been thinking that happiness is the greatest thing you can ever have, when the day comes and you breathe your last breath and you go before God, I don't want you thinking, I wonder why Tyson never told me how holy God is. I wonder why Tyson never uh, got my attention. He says, God is perfect and he's greater than I can imagine. And in his holiness, I'm gonna uh, shake in my boots. I'm gonna collapse before him. And unless we prepare, we are gonna be overwhelmed by that. Why didn't you ever tell me how intense our God is? See, because whatever your view of God is, and I know some of you have a great big view of God, maybe a bigger view of God than I do. No matter how big our view of God is with our own human minds, God is bigger. No matter how uh, vividly you think you can understand his holiness, he is more holy. God is greater and more holy than we can comprehend, but we need to work at that. It'll help us be more like him. So today, I want to look at some scriptures and prepare us for the moment in some fashion for when we see God face to face. The moment we come into glimpse with his power and his glory, while we'll still be overwhelmed, we will be able to not only fall to our feet in fear, but we will have a holy fear and stand and worship him. I want you to be ready to know when you come before the Father in heaven. See, everyone in scripture that we catch a glimpse of, that even catches a glimpse of God, is struck with awe of him because that's how great he is. 
the vast majority of people, including many so-called Christians, have no clue of the intensity of God's holiness. Too many people uh, believe that God is holy, but have no time thinking about what it is. And we sing songs of it. You've done it this morning. And some of you, even while we were declaring him holy, were thinking about things later in the week. Maybe what was for lunch? Who was going to win the sporting event this week? Uh, what you were doing at work on Monday? The problem is, a lot of the times when we should be thinking about how great God is, we think about the things around us. And they're not necessarily bad things, but they're lesser things. And we need to be thinking about coming before God and how amazing he is. We get concerned about lesser things like worrying about the government and our leaders. We, we talk about and consider uh, when uh, Illinois sports are going to open up. And I'm all for that. But how much time do we think about that? We think about uh, things like our health insurance and, and our retirement fund. We think about who's going to win the Super Bowl. We, we think about, oh, I should have, I should have uh, invested in GameStop uh, this week, you know. We think about things about like, uh, how, why doesn't McDonald's offer the McRib all year long? We think about all these lesser things when we should be considering more often what it's gonna be like to come before our maker God and stand in all of him. In that moment where God shows us everything that he is, and in that moment, we're gonna realize all these other lesser things were insignificant and possibly ridiculous to even consider. It happened, Isaiah. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter six, a prophet, when he comes before God, he's blown away. Look with me to Isaiah chapter six. It's gonna be on the screen. You can pick it up in your Bible as well. It's an amazing text. If you've never read this before, I would encourage you to even close your eyes and just get a picture of the words I'm about to share with you. But Isaiah was a very righteous man. He, he was one of God's most faithful men to ever live. During a very difficult time, he stayed faithful. And yet he was a sinner. And when he came before God, he was overwhelmed. Look what it says in Isaiah 6. It says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. Just picture that throne. High and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphims, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their face. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. That, that's pretty wild. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook and the, and the temple was filled with smoke. I mean, just get a picture of this for a second. You've got these heavenly beings declaring holy, holy, holy. The whole place is shaking. Uh, uh, his, his robe has, has swirled around the entire room and has filled up the place. There's smoke everywhere. And Isaiah's like, I'm not ready for this. I'm overwhelmed. Look what he says. Woe to me. Isaiah cried, I am ruined. Some translations say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna come to my death here. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Get this, Isaiah, who was as noble as a man as I, I probably will have ever met in my lifetime, it says, I can't even stand before God because out of my mouth has come garbage of sin. And he says, surely I'm gonna die here. He's struck in awe. He's overwhelmed. I wonder what's gonna happen when we come before God. When we see his holiness, his purity, uh, what, what the first thing that's gonna become evident is we're full of sin. Out of our mouth has, has come garbage. We, we, we don't even deserve to be there. Right now, a lot of times we don't think too 
poorly of ourselves because we don't compare ourselves to God seated on the throne. We compare ourselves to other people. We all do it. You know, when you're having a bad day, you're like, well, God, it's not that bad. You know, um, uh, I I am so much worse than you. No, what we usually say was, at least I'm not as bad as him, or at least I'm having a better day than her, or at least our family is so much better off than they are. We may not say it out loud, but we try to compare ourselves with other people that are struggling around us to make ourselves feel better. To be honest, uh, most people think they're pretty good compared to the preacher, but compared to God, it does, you don't even stack up at all. Here's the way Isaiah puts it in Isaiah 64, verse 6. He says, We are all infected and impure with sin. That's true. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Here's the, here's the reality that Isaiah is hitting with. Uh, stop comparing your, the good things you do, the righteous things you do, uh, with what other people do. When they're compared to what God wants, they're filthy. They're, uh, they're gross. They're, 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 they're just disgusting. Our greatest things that we do don't even compare to God. So many people think they're just good enough. Not on your own, you're not. And God says, while you're saved by Jesus, you're still called to be holy as I'm holy. See, some people think, well, that's, that's okay. Everything's changed. What you're speaking of so far, Tyson, from the Old Testament is, is, is God speaking. But Jesus is the one that offers grace. If I just meet him in the middle, if I come to honor him on a few days a week, if, if I uh, do a, a few things during the week, he's going he's to let everything else slide because he knows I'm trying. That's good enough. You think Jesus is really going to say that? While he is full of grace and mercy? I want you to see his words in Revelation chapter 3. These are the words of Jesus. He says, I know your works. He goes, I know what you do that you're neither cold nor hot. And I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. It's not that much more refreshing, is it? In fact, it's it kind of sick to think about. Jesus here say, well, while you may come to me and think that I have forgiven you of all your sins, I still hold you to high standard. I want you to be all in. And he says, seriously, uh, some of you are just playing games. You're just kind of going through the motions. He says, I wish you were one way or the other. And then he tells us to repent. He says, make a change. What really sickens Jesus is our sin, our impurity, when we're not holy, when we engage in things that aren't set apart for him. Look what it says in Revelation 3. It says, for whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. The reason I'm sharing this with you right now is the same reason, and my reasons aren't as nearly as noble as Jesus, but Jesus here say, the reason I'm challenging you, the reason uh, uh, you're making me sick and I'm, I'm willing to tell you about this is Jesus says, I love you. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke in a discipline. So he says, pay attention, so be earnest and repent. Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. What an amazing picture. While I fall short of holiness that God offers, while you fall short of holiness, Jesus says, repent and I will still be with you. The holiness that I offer will still be offered to you, but now live like it. Uh, Sharpen your lives and make changes. And then you know what happens in Revelation? we see another picture of the throne. Jesus had just said, hey, unless you get this right, you make me sick. 
But because you repent and, and I'm going to be with you, here, here's what's going to happen next. You get, you get to see a, glip, a glimpse of God. Look at Revelation 4. He says, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne, there were seven torches of burning flames. In the center and around the throne, there were four living creatures, each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living creatures was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third was a human face. The fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who still is to come. These beings, I don't fully understand what they mean. Uh, if, if God wasn't there, these beings would lead me to great fear. But these beings have a, a, a clear purpose. This whole time, uh, as strange as they are with these eyes all around them and, and a face like a human, but one of them being an ox, all the oddity of this, they are giving praise to God. What will matter to you when you stand before that picture? There's probably gonna be smoke because we see that in heaven. Uh, his, his robe is gonna wrap around and these, these beings are now there and he's on the throne. What are, you gonna, what are you gonna be thinking of? What's gonna really matter at that point in, in, in your existence? I believe it'll be the most intense thing you've ever seen. Some of us have never considered coming before God and that's what's allowed us to be lukewarm. But here's my encouragement to you today. Jesus has allowed us to be holy, so live holy. And the things that, uh, uh, that limit you from your holiness and, and make you lukewarm, uh, Jesus is saying, repent of them and change. And I'm gonna invite you in and we're gonna go into the throne room together. But not if we take this as something that doesn't really matter. What keeps us from being holy? I think Jesus deals with it here. He says, we need to repent. Our sin is what keeps us from truly being holy. He says, but I will offer you the ability to be right if you repent. At that point, you're overcome. Here's the, here's the, uh, uh, the three simple truths I want to get to. That's all been the introduction, okay? So you can just relax, okay? Here's the three points for today. They come from the Core 52 material. So far, this has just been a picture of why this is so important. But here's the first truth. Uh, Mark Moore puts it so well in the book. He says, holiness is not achieved, it is received. Holiness is received, it's not something we achieve. It's not something based on our performance. God says, okay, you've, you've come to this level of holiness. God says, I'm going to imp imp impute in you, I'm going to share within you holiness. Look at the passage again from Romans 3. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The reality is we receive forgiveness. We receive righteousness and holiness through what Christ has done for us. Do you believe that? I was raised for a lot of years, not on purpose, but based on what I heard from the church, that it was my job to make myself holy. I can never do that, nor can you. But when we receive it from Jesus, we can live it because he continually forgives. But we gotta take it serious. Holy literally means to be set apart for God's purpose. Not by, based on our performance, but for his purpose. When we're saved by God, he says, I own, I, I bought you, now live for me. 
Here's the second thing. Holy living is our calling from God for his glory. Our calling, our greatest calling is to bring glory to God based on our holy living. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy 1. For God saved us. Here's why he saved us. And he called us to to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserve it, not because we achieved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. See, once we're saved and we humbly submit to him, he says, I want you to live for my, my purpose. We need to realize we have a greater purpose than the world will tell us. Uh, The world will often tell us, going back to what we shared from the beginning, that our greatest purpose in life, the greatest really pursuit in life is the pursuit of happiness. I mean, isn't that almost constitutional? But here's what God says. I've got something better for you than happiness. While happiness flows out of this, your purpose is to be set apart or to be holy for me. And then happiness flows out of that. It's something greater than we can ever know on our own. Uh, Take this with you. God does not call you to be happy. He calls you to be holy. And I pray in that you you would truly find happiness. Happiness can be a great thing, but there's something much greater than that. The author of Core 52 puts some great insight on it this way. I don't know how many of you ever go to maybe your favorite restaurant. Maybe it's a steakhouse. And the salad comes out and it's just like this little side salad. Uh, my, my thought has always been, they just give you that side salad uh, to prepare you for the steak. But you're, you're kind of working on that. Maybe you put some croutons that dressing and a few other things. And you're kind of working on that, having a conversation. But if you're um, uh, halfway through that and that nice ribeye or filet comes out, how much longer do you spend on that salad? If you're like me, you push away that real quickly. And if you have room for that at the end, you'll go back to it. But you're there for the main reason. In much the same way, uh, there can be some things, happiness in life that, that we enjoy, that we have around. But when God really shows up and shows you what holy living is like, you're like, let me consume more of this. Let me have all of it I can. Some of us have never tasted a steak in our lives when it comes to living for God. We're just uh, messing around with all the, the precursor stuff to what God really wants us to enjoy. But the world has convinced us that as long as you're happy, You know, I've even heard people recently in funerals I've done, uh, people say, well, at least they died happy. You've all heard that before. What about the rest of eternity? Oh, at least they were happy when they died. God calls us to be holy through the blood of Jesus and then live for him. And here's the last point. Holiness from God sets us up to set with him in victory. And that transcends anything happiness of this world. While God is all for being happy, when we're truly holy, we can set with him in victory. Remember back in Revelation 3 where he says, hey, if you don't get this right, if you just take this all as a big joke, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You make me sick. And then he says, but when you repent, I will provide you another level of holiness. And here's what happens to those who are victorious and holy. Look to Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. It says, to the one who is victorious... He's talking about to the one who overcomes sin through, through Jesus. I will give the right to set with me on the throne. Think about that for a minute. We just saw a picture of the throne in Isaiah chapter uh, 6 and Revelation chapter 4. He says, if you're victorious, if you can truly be holy through me, I'm going to invite you to sit on the throne with me. 
A lot of times we're like, oh, if I could just get to heaven, I'll I'll take a shack in the corner. Well, that may be true. Here's the truth of Jesus. If you trust him, you're going to sit on the throne with him. You may have never heard that before. That takes heaven to a whole nother level that we get to rule and be on the throne with the king. He says, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, let let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. Guys, here's what God wants you to hear today. Whether you're online or on the radio, stop worrying about being happy. While, While this world has great things to offer, what Jesus offers is holiness that leads us to the throne room of God where we can be with him forever. It's beyond anything this world can experience through a perfect, uh, perfect relationship with Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 says this, because we have these promises. Paul's talking about all the promises that we have as his children. And I think a pinnacle promise that I have been very unaware of is that as we follow him, we can be on the throne with him. He says, because of these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. He says, because that's that's what we know we have at stake, uh, make sure you're holy. Make sure you walk away from sin. Make sure you repent of the things that are defiling your body and your spirit. And let us work towards complete holiness because we fear God. You know what's going to happen someday if you're not holy through Jesus? When you stand before God in that moment of judgment, he's going to say, depart from me. And you'll never be with him ever again. Here's what I see as I piece this together. As we stand before uh, the holy seat of God and Christ there and we're judged. And he says, man, I see them as holy because they've been made right with me. He's going to say, come and sit with me. Come and be at my side forever. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because we have these promises, do your very best to not defile yourself with things of the world. Let me ask you today, what's defiling your life right now? What's keeping you from not only being happy, but most importantly, holy? We all have some sin that no one else knows about. It's the human nature. Man, repent of that. Don't let Jesus uh, uh, forever see you as somebody who's just lukewarm, but but get serious about this matter and say, I'm walking away from pornography. I'm walking away uh, uh, from a a selfish desire for money. I'm walking away from a a, a mouth that uh, is vile and degrading. I'm walking away from holding people captive for what they've done me in the past. And I'm moving forward with Christ and living for him. We're gonna sing a song right now. It's called The Inside Out, From the Inside Out. And it gives us an opportunity to be changed to no longer be defiled, not because of our efforts, but because of the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I would ask that you purify us, make us holy and set apart for you. Father, if someone is here today and needs to make that decision for the first time, I pray that they claim it. Lord, each of us, including myself, need to continue to be purified and have these sins that hold us back from your holiness removed from our lives. Lord, help us to repent and be made new. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing with us? If you have a decision to make, please come forward.